Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. See, our values are different from the world's values. Our lifestyle should be different from the world's lifestyle. How we live and how we walk and how we talk and how we interact, how we conduct our lives demonstrates that we have another constitution. It's the constitution of God's Word that we're following. We're living our lives after the Sermon on the Mount. Paul's charge to the church in Philippi and to us today is this. Live your life in a way that reflects Jesus. In today's message, Pastor Ed reiterates this and encourages us to remember that we're not just people of the world. We're citizens of heaven and have been given a great privilege that we should share with the world. However, sharing this good news is not just done by words, but also by our actions. If we're not living a life set apart from worldly values, our words will mean little to nothing. Now here's Pastor Ed in the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 27, with part one of his message entitled, Heavenly Citizens. Philippians, chapter 1 beginning to read with verse 27. Paul the Apostle is now moving on from talking about his own circumstances and situation to looking now at those at Philippi and he begins to exhort them and remind them of their position, their citizenship. They belong to heaven and their citizenship is in heaven. Verse 27, chapter 1. Whatever, whatever, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or not, or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Paul the Apostle is reminding a church that he loved, shepherded and founded, that their citizenship is in heaven, and that they are to live lives worthy of the gospel, lives that reflect this incredible relationship that God has given and granted them. Shakespeare wrote a number of plays, several plays, about Henry V. He began with Prince Henry as a vain, dissolute young man who spent his time drinking and carousing. He was in bad company. But when his father died, it changed Henry V, according to the play. Uh, he writes, but when Henry's father, the king, dies, Henry changes. Prince Henry realizes 
in the play, his unworthiness. And that the crown will be his through no virtue of his own. So he confesses to his dying father, the king, you won it, wore it, kept it, and gave it to me. Then upon the crown being given to Henry, he vows to live a worthy life, worthy of that honor being bestowed upon him. And he says this, the tide of blood in me had proudly flowed in vanity till now. Now doth it turn and ebb back to the sea, where it shall mingle with the state of floods and flow henceforth in formal majesty. Henry V was changed by the honor bestowed upon him, won not by his own virtue, but just by the position given to him. Paul is saying something like that. He's saying, you have your name on heaven's rolls. You've been made a citizen of the kingdom of God. And that should change everything. The responsibility of our heavenly citizenship is my first point. In Philippians 127, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. And I'm using the New Living Translation here because it really brings out the nuances of the Greek. When the NIV, the New American Standard, uh, and some other translations translated the idea of conduct, it really is citizenship, and it has the idea that live like a citizen. Now, to Paul's audience, immediately they would pick up what Paul was saying. Because Philippi was given an honor of being a colony of Rome. They were made uh, an extension of the city of Rome. They conducted their political affairs like Rome did. They had Roman customs. They used Latin They had Roman laws. They enjoyed the rights of a citizen of Rome. And they were very proud of that position. And he says, live as citizens of heaven. Again, look at the verses. Above all, you must live as a citizen of heaven. Philippi was like a little Rome. And they were proud of their citizenship. They were proud to be a Roman citizen. And Paul is saying, you need to think about your citizenship that's in heaven. You're a citizen of heaven. You belong to the kingdom that's coming. You belong to a heavenly kingdom. And live like that. In Philippians 3.20, he says, But our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await the Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Those in Philippi, those in Rome, they would take some incense and they would declare that Caesar was a god. They would say, Caesar is Lord. But Christians couldn't do that. They couldn't say that. There was only one Lord. And because of that, they were considered disloyal. And some of them were in jeopardy of losing their lives. 
They were persecuted because of their commitment to Christ. Paul is saying, let your life, let your language, let your disposition, let how you live out your life display that your citizenship is in heaven. See, our values are different from the world's values. Our lifestyle should be different from the world's lifestyle. How we live and how we walk and how we talk and how we interact, how we conduct our lives demonstrates that we have another constitution. It's the constitution of God's word that we're following. We're living our lives after the Sermon on the Mount. It was back, I believe, in the late 60s, early 70s that the phrase ugly American was coined. It spoke about those Americans that didn't respect the culture of others, didn't respect the traditions of others. It was a a derogatory term pinned on Americans who caused foreigners to think about Americans in a, a, a way that, boy, those people are rude and they're crude. What do people think about our Lord and Savior when they see us, when they interact with us. There should be no ugly Christians that we bring ill repute on the kingdom. And that's what Paul the Apostle is getting at. He's telling us that we have a loyalty to the kingdom of God, a loyalty to Jesus Christ. And that's our first loyalty. Yes, we are Americans, and we ought to, well, live by the laws of the land. But above and beyond that, we are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. And there ought to be something about our lives that displays that. So he says, live as citizens of the kingdom. But he really says, also, live worthy of the gospel. In 127, again, and I'm using the NIV here. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in the manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news. It's the news that Jesus came from heaven to earth to die on the cross. He was buried. He rose again. And we have hope by believing in him. We have eternal life by believing in him. The answer to society ills is not in a political party. It's not in man's own abilities it's in the gracious message of God who frees us from selfish motives who frees us from low living and base living who frees us to do the good that we're incapable in ourselves to do the gospel live worthy of that gospel live worthy of the cause of Jesus Christ early Christians were the best apologetic argument for Christianity. Their lives displayed and defended and declared the gospel of Christ. Our lives need to display, defend and declare the gospel of Christ. That's what he's saying. Let your life be lived so that your good advertisement for the kingdom of God. In 2 Corinthians 5.20 The New Living Translation says, So we are Christ's ambassadors, 
God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. We're telling a world that's lost, that is prodigal, come back to God. Our lifestyle is saying, come back to God. We're awakening the conscience of the society. We're awakening the conscience of the culture and we're pointing people to the one and true one, Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying, live a life worthy of the gospel. The gospel, the good news is God giving his life for us. Doesn't that mean that we give our lives to him? Anything that you give your life to, you could spend and live a hundred years, but if you don't make Jesus Christ the number one priority, those years could be squandered and useless and wasteful. We pray, oh Lord, let me live a long life, but live a long life and accomplish something for the kingdom, for the gospel. You can be involved in helping and doing good things, and we ought to do that. But to be involved in the name of Jesus, for the cause of Jesus, for the purpose of Christ, pointing people to the Lord. I think about uh, how oftentimes people fall into unbelief because of the lives of Christians. Because their life contradicts the message Their life obliterates what they're saying. Their life speaks in contradiction to what they are saying with their mouth. One person, I think of Jesse James, the outlaw. He was baptized in church. And that very same day that he was baptized, he went out and robbed the bank. And in the process, he killed someone. Christians... Our lives are to be so different, radically changed and transformed so that people know that we really have been transformed. We are to be little Christ reflecting Christ's love. Someone said, live so that if people get to know you, they will get to know Christ better. That's good. Live. Live in that way. So that if people get to know you, they will get to know Christ better. Now, he explains what are the marks of a citizenship, marks of living worthy of the gospel. In verses 27b to 28, he describes those characteristics, those marks. In the text, it says, Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence... I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. Now, notice the first phrase. He says, whether I come or just here, live for the Lord. He was asking them for consistency. Whether I come and hear and see you or only hear about you in my absence, he says, I know that you're standing firm. Christians need to be consistent. The same at home as they are at church, the same in church as they are at work. There needs to be a congruency in all places, at all times, in all ways, that we're not different outside the church when the preacher comes to visit. People take the Bible out of the closet. 
dust it off, put it on the end table, take some other magazines and put them off somewhere else. As Christians, there ought to be a a consistency about our life. In the journey of faith, men and women have served as mothers in the Lord, fathers in the Lord, encouraging you. If they're taken off the scene, if something happens and there's a distance between you and them, that shouldn't affect how you live. You should live a Christian life, a godly life, following the Lord with all your heart, with all your strength, with all that's within you. That's what Paul is saying. Be consistent about your Christian life. Oftentimes, we forget there's a great cloud of witnesses, and we're in this arena of faith. We're fighting the good fight of faith, and they're watching. They're cheering us on. Those who have gone on before, are, we're connected with them in some mysterious way. As they're cheering us on. We ought to be taking up that mantle, taking that baton, and going forward in the kingdom, doing God's will, God's way. That's what Paul is encouraging them, to be consistent, faithful through all the journey. Some people start off in the fire, they're saved and they're zealous, and they're going on for God. But as the years go by, as the trials come into their life, as difficult times come before them, they slow down in their pace, they weary, and they finish badly. We want to finish well the race set before us. We want to run with that first love, that zeal, that determination to do the will of God and to finish strongly. How are you running? How are you fighting the good fight of faith? Ah, do it with all your heart, all your strength, all your might. It's wonderful to see Christians year after year follow the Lord, trial after trial follow the Lord. So disheartening to see once someone who walked with God and then years later you see that they're not what they once were. Paul is saying be consistent, be faithful all through the race. But he's not only saying be consistent, he's saying cooperate, cooperate. Then whether I come and see you only or hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. Uh, What he's saying here is that there should be a team spirit. He's using athletic terms. He's using, also there's some nuance of a military term. Fight together, work together. What happens is Christians sometimes do the wrong thing. They fight each other. Ah, they fight each other over the color of the rug. Or the song service, this song or that type of music. They they fight each other over uh, all sorts of things. And it diffuses the strength of the church. It diffuses the ability of the church to make a difference. 
We all have our preferences. We all have our likes and dislikes. But Paul the Apostle was saying to the church at Philippi, he said, put those aside. Stand together. One spirit, one heart, one mind. Fighting the battle. We have to focus on the real enemy. The real enemy is Satan. The real enemy is the enemy of your soul. The real enemy is the one who's deceiving the world, sending it to hell. Recognize where the enemy is. You know, it's, it's, it's so frustrating at times when the church forgets what the battle is. We need to be a voice to our culture. A voice of justice that deals with the injustices of society. A voice that deals with the moral problems of society. A voice that speaks out to the culture and is a conscience. And even though the society may not like that and may not agree with that, still, that's our call to be prophetic, not pathetic. We're not called to just be in seclusion and cloister and go into some place of seclusion. We're called to stand forth with the word of God preaching the truth of God battling and fighting we're in a battle we're in a fight we're in a spiritual struggle when the church of philippi was founded it was founded in the fires of trial paul was thrown into prison silas was thrown into prison they were beaten Uh, the church was still going through very difficult times there's a story about how in rome during the gladiator fights One of the men who was there was a Syrian monk named Lamarus. Lamarus saw these gladiators fighting. He became so disturbed by the bloodshed that he ran down from the stands. He ran down onto the field and he protested. And the people were angry. And so someone took a spear and they threw it at him. And it went through him and killed him. But four months later, the gladiator games stopped. And one of the contributing factors was this man's willingness to protest, willingness to speak about the wrongs of society. So Paul talks about courage. In verse 28, you see, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Now that word frightened means spooked. It's a word that's used for horses, when the horse gets frightened by an animal on the side of the road or sees something that distracts it and it rears up on its hind feet. He said, don't be frightened. Persecution was before them. Difficulties were ahead of them. But yet, they were to be the type of people who would not be quiet, who would not shut up. This was the first church in Europe and they met persecution I think of how in the Roman culture in the Roman emperor when he wanted to take someone's life he would put his thumb down did you ever see the movies where they display that if he wanted to spare their life he put his thumb up I believe what our culture is doing now is this no we don't want a Christian witness 
in the educational institutions. No, don't bring Christianity into politics. Don't bring it into the public square. It belongs in your private life. Go in some closet there and practice your Christianity. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. This is a wonderful truth taken from the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 6. And as trying times enter into your life, it's important to continually keep this at the forefront of your thoughts. Each day here on Voice of Faith, Pastor Ed will be teaching verse by verse through Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Thanks for joining us today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. To stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Voice of Faith, subscribe to our Twitter feed at VOF Radio 1. Again, to follow the Voice of Faith Twitter feed or to access the archive of messages, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Voice of Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Voice of Faith.